0: Hello, hello, ladies. Welcome back to another episode of Everlasting Fruit with B. Charles. My sincere apologies for the delay in posting this episode. Life has been lifing and time is of the essence. Before we get into the episode, I just want to ask if you could please rate. And follow this podcast, leave a review, and share with others. This helps get the podcast out there to other listeners so that they can be encouraged to know and love the Word of God. We have been discussing. 10 things I wish the church would stop doing. I have been paying attention to things as I attend church lately. This is the second last episode before the bonus one. So please continue to send your church issues to my email found in the show notes. Let's not take any more time and get right into it. So, the 10 things I wish the church would stop doing, number five, is I wish the church would stop focusing on quantity alone instead of both quantity and quality being worked on simultaneously. Because I find that church service is now short. Or is it that church service is short because people don't have time for church anymore? Or is it short because they're catering to the congregation? I don't know. I feel rushed now. You enter church and they sing for a while, and then you get a word for like 30 minutes and done. I remember when my husband pastored, if he went over even a minute in his teaching, he would receive a complaint from a member. When people are hungry for the word because they want to know more about God, they want to progress in their relationship with Him, or for the fellowship with the saints, they will come. Sometimes I wonder whether leaders of churches take time to find out if people are making progress in their relationship with God. The Word of God should not be compromised for the sake of quantity. It really does not matter if the church had five members of 5,000. What matters is whether they are making spiritual progress. Are they forsaking their old ways and looking to live for Christ and to be like him? Are they reading their Bibles and growing in the knowledge of the word of God? I know that there are churches that are quantity focused because they also focus on raising up men and women who are committed to Christ and not just filling seats. I am not against that if quality work will be done so that the quantity will know and live for Jesus. The members need to mature and grow in Christ so that they too may go out and help others to know and love the Lord. And yes, absolutely, a church should grow. But more importantly, the people in the church should grow in Christ. And this is in line with Hebrews chapter 5, verses 12 to 14, which states, For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. So no, the church is not supposed to remain on milk. They need to mature to a point where they can have solid food. They need to be taught the basic principles of the oracles of God so that they can grow just like we teach children the basics of, you know, starting to breast milk or just drinking milk from a bottle to a point where they start holding their own bottle. Then they start eating, um, or drinking, um, milk with a little bit of, uh, thickness. Then they start eating porridge, um, or, um, custard or whatever it is like you know maybe oatmeal something thicker then they start you know nibbling on little pieces of chicken little pieces of veggies to the point where they get to solid food they start feeding themselves that that is showing maturity that is showing that they're they have been taught the basic principles of what it is to grow and it's the same way with the word of god We get the basic principles and then we are drinking milk um, to the next level, to the next level until we start eating solid food. And it's said, but solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. You cannot take a newborn baby and give them a piece of steak. They can choke on it. That's why the basic principles is what you start with, but we're going somewhere with that. We're not remaining the same. We're not remaining stagnant. We're moving forward. We are moving to the point where our powers of descendment are trained by constant practice. It is a thing that has to be done constantly to be able to distinguish good from evil. Because when you do not practice constantly, if you don't remain in the word, the word is not filling you. The word is not washing you. The word is not informing you of what is good, what God's expectations are. You will not have the discernment to distinguish good from evil. And we can look at Jesus in the way that he focused on quality instead of quantity. In his ministry, Jesus chose 12 disciples whom he commissioned to go out into the world and make disciples of all nations. Jesus was not focused on the quantity that followed him around because he always had a crowd around him. Like sometimes he would, you know, just sneak away so that he can be just alone or just with him and his disciples. He focused on imparting quality teachings to the apostles who would then impact the masses. If you had 5,000 people who were just filling seats, then what is the difference between your church and a soccer stadium? Yet if 12 members are committed to doing the work, they're committed to growing, to teaching and nurturing others in their relationship with Jesus, eventually the 12 will be more impactful than the 5,000. Quality brings quantity. Churches should focus on quality so that they can raise a congregation of quality men, women, and children who fear God and know his word in order to make godly impact on this world. So issue number six is idolatry. I wish the church would stop idolizing their pastors or famous men of God. We can honor our pastors in the positions they find themselves in. But honestly, I have been noticing a growing trend of individuals who would kill for their pastors. Their pastors have grown into celebrities and the church members begin to follow the pastor rather than Christ. And sometimes I believe that this is one of the reasons why churches focus on quantity instead of quality is so that they, the men of God can grow and be known and become celebrities. This is dangerous grounds because when people are looking to the pastor rather than Christ, the pastor begins to perform for the church rather than serving God. Your pastor is a servant of the Lord he was put in the position to serve the church, not to be glorified. All glory must belong to God and him alone. Pastor idolatry leads to members who are heavily dependent on what the pastor says and never go home to study the word. They never go home to verify whether what was preached is in line with the word of God. We must only trust the word of God. Everyone else who has written a book started a podcast, a commentary, teaches the word, they had to go through the Bible. So make it your source too. Ask the Lord to put the hunger for the word in you because you can go home and review the word. You can listen to a preaching and open your Bible and be led to a deeper study. No matter what comes up at church, the response should be, I will study that further. God wants us to fellowship with other saints, but he also wants us to have a personal relationship with him, to seek him, to find him, and serve him wholeheartedly. But if we misplace our adoration and focus on our pastors or the word of the prophet, we might as well be idolaters. Many famous men of God have come under scrutiny and their sins exposed, But when people were idolizing these men, their fall causes literally the majority of the congregation to fall away. Church leaders can commit sin, but because of others idolizing them, no one is ready to correct them. Instead, they become comfortable with that said sin. Colossians 3 verses 2 talks about How we should set our minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. And Romans 8 verses 5 expands that. For those who live according to the flesh, set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the spirit, set their minds on things of the spirit. So set your mind on spiritual things. Set your mind on Christ and let him and his word continue to renew your mind daily to transform you into the likeness of Jesus. We don't want to be like anyone but Christ. We must devote ourselves to growing in him. You can serve your church to the glory of the Lord, but you must also know when to move on. When you're no longer growing or your service to God is not welcomed, you must know that it is time. I have grown in maturity beyond the food that is being served in this church. Remember, you have access to God too. It's not just your pastor. Salvation is a personal decision, so nurture it. When you do, you will not be the sheep that scatter when the shepherd is struck. Remember, you are a follower of Jesus, not your pastor. And even if you are to imitate your pastor, you are to imitate Christ. Your pastor should be imitating Christ. So his actions should be an example of what it's like to live for Christ. Let's go to issue number seven. So 10 things I wish the church would stop doing. Number seven, I wish the church would stop neglecting the vetting of leadership. This was a standard in the Bible. The leadership were men who would have been vetted by the demonstration of godly fruit. But now anyone who wants to become a pastor, any fanatic of the lead pastor can be given a post in a different location. No one is vetted. Some have gone on to be pastors because they have been told that church it's a lucrative business where you can literally sell the word of God. You can guilt trip individuals to give and prophesy that they need to sow a certain amount for God to do something in their lives. The pastor would be in scandals of infidelity, of embezzling money, but no. He is now a celebrity and the members refuse to hold him accountable because he has become like a God to them. The pastor will overlook the sin of others in leadership so as to not taint the church. Someone would have newly become Christian, but because the pastors like them, they're given a post to lead others. So it's like giving a baby a car to drive. Just a side note, in terms of payment, I do believe that men of God should be paid for their work. The work that they put in to um, the administrative work, um, the devotion to the work of God to ensure that the church, the people are being shepherded, they should be paid for that. But I also believe that if they can work, They should leave the church funds alone so that those that are in need, those that need support from the church can have access to those funds or it can be readily available to support others, um, and support the work of God, support the advancement, the missions of the work of God. However, if they have written a book, if they have made like an ebook or, um, anything that they have put their their heart and soul into to um you know writing to doing seminars and all of those things i do believe that they should be paid for their time uh they should be paid for their books they should be paid for their ebooks they should be paid for um like if you invite a pastor to a, a particular church they should be paid for the time that it does take For them to come to you where they could be working, they should be paid for that. But the word of God is not for sale. I don't believe that people should charge to teach the word of God. And that's where the thin line comes in determining, okay, if I'm inviting someone to come and teach the word of God, why am I paying them? Or why are pastors charging such ridiculous amounts to teach the word of God? Um, I still believe that if you're calling someone, taking them away from their families, taking them away from their jobs or the things that they should be doing or they they were doing to earn a living, I believe that they should be paid, they should be accommodated and properly compensated. But anyway... It's a thin line. there are things that are usually done that are you know manipulative in some sort, but for those that do teach the Word of God freely, we are grateful. we are learning and God sees your heart and also don't neglect to support your pastors when they've written books, when they're doing seminars, when they're teaching um, particular aspects that are outside of the church. Don't forget to support them in that. anyway. Let's move on. So, in speaking of pastors being vetted, let us look into God's requirements for church leadership. And this is found in 1 Timothy 3, verses 1 to 7, and Titus 1, verses 5 to 9. It provides an outline on the qualities of a pastor. And I liked how GodQuestions.org summarized them. And they did so as follows. Um, So, a pastor he must be a person of integrity and worthy of the respect of those both inside and outside the church so it's not just the church that needs to uh, respect him it's people outside as well he must have good rapport with people outside as well because how we how will he reach the masses right? If only the church is saying good things about him and people outside are not saying good things about him, how will those people outside now come and be a part of his congregation? So he must be above reproach. He must be respectable. He must be blameless, upright, holy. He must be a lover of what is good, and he must have a good rep reputation with others. He must also be self-controlled, be temperate and disciplined. He must not misuse alcohol by getting drunk. He must be hospitable. He must be able to welcome people into his home and his life. He must be able to deal with people in a respectful way, not violent. He must be gentle, not quarrelsome, not overbearing, not quick-tempered. Everything about him must demonstrate that he is growing in the fruits of the spirit because that's a continuous thing. So he must not um he, he must be a good husband, faithful to his wife and a good father. So not just a good husband, but he must also be a good father. He must be a man whose children believe and are not open to the charge of being wild. Or disobedient. So and and this comes about in managing his own family well because it correlates with how well he will manage the church family. If he can't handle his own household well, how will he manage the hundred church members? He will be so preoccupied with leading the church while his family falls away. And I literally see this, like this could be a point of its own where pastors literally neglect their families, neglect their children. Um, you know, men of God literally leave the raising and the teaching of the word to the wife alone. Whereas, you know, he's focusing on the church, but he's neglected his own children. This is where like he's so preoccupied with leading the church while his family just falls away. His wife is, you know, embittered because um she's not getting the attention from him, she's not getting the support from him. Um other people are getting more attention from him than she is. Um she feels abandoned. These are these are attributes that a pastor should have. He must be a good husband and a good father. So he cannot be so focused on ensuring that the church members are well while his family is falling away. The Lord will not have you sacrifice the salvation of your family just so that you can lead a church and the Lord will also not sacrifice your salvation just so that you can lead a church. You also as a pastor need time away to be able to have retreats where you are filled back up because As a pastor, you're constantly pouring out and you don't want your cup to be empty. In the motions of, you know, studying the word so that you can teach and all of that, you pour out, you pour out, but then are you going back to the Lord for your own personal relationship? Are you nurturing that? Are you going back and studying the word for your own filling, not just so that you can get something to teach the congregation, but are you going back so that you can be filled? And this happens constantly, so the Lord will not sacrifice your salvation, your family salvation, so that you can lead a church. In regards to children, children do grow up and they make their own decisions because they get influenced by other things, and and that's different, you know. At that point, um, they become independent; they make they can make their own choices. But while they're in your home, the children should also be exemplary. The children should also be obedient to you and they should follow through with the teachings of Christ. Especially now when the government is trying to impose their ideologies on, on our children, it is important for pastors, um, for men of God to be devoted to raising their children to be disciples of Jesus. Because the school systems want to steer them away. From Christ, from God, as early as kindergarten. So, pastors, devote yourselves to the work of God, but do not neglect your families. Do not neglect your children. And yes, your children can grow and they can reject Christ, but at least don't let it be that when they grow and reject Christ, it's because you didn't nurture them and you didn't disciple them in Christ. If they grow and reject Christ, let it be their own decision, not because of your neglect. Anyway, we've reached the end of this episode. We've covered seven issues by now. So um, what do you think should be the mark of good churches and good leadership? Do you believe that pastors should go to seminary before being allowed on the pulpit? Anyway, join me next week as I cover the remaining three of the 10 things I wish the church would stop doing. As you already know, if you want to connect, feel free to email me at everlasting.fruit8 at gmail.com. Until the next time, God bless.